God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, we are concluding our stewardship sermon series. Talking about finances can sometimes be a sticky situation. It can be a sticky subject. Here at Christ United, we want to talk about finances because we believe that giving matters, that the way we prioritize, that the way we prayerfully consider our gifts really matter. It matters to us, it matters to the church, and it matters to the larger world because our gifts are used inside and outside of these walls. I am thankful for Reverend Reagan Gilliland. She preached for us here in Modern Worship last week on the second portion of our church's mission, Serving Others. And this morning, we focus on the last bit of our church mission, transforming lives. So if you're following, a home at, uh, following along at home, that's loving God, serving others, transforming lives. Some of you may know, and maybe some of you don't, but I just completed a six-week study that I led on Dr. Amy Jill Levine's book, The Difficult Words of Jesus. Dr. Amy Jill Levine, she calls herself AJ because she's very accessible, duh. She is an Orthodox Jew and... She is a professor of New Testament. I would argue she is an expert on the New Testament. And she brings so much to reading about Jesus from a Jewish standpoint. In this study over the past six weeks, me and a group of wonderful people, some of you who are out there, shout out. We looked at six different sayings of Jesus found throughout the gospel, and together we talked about what we found difficult about those passages and how even though they were challenging, we could still learn something from them. Our very first week together was the exact passage that we all are about to read together this morning. And spoiler alert, it's a difficult one. Often in churches, this passage is called the rich young ruler. Funnily enough, that term isn't ever used altogether in scripture. In Matthew's version of this story, the man is referred to as young. And in Luke's version, he's called a ruler. It seems as if over time, we've merged all these versions of the story and we've created our own, the rich young ruler, to sum all of them together. In our version today from the Gospel of Mark, you will notice that like everything Mark does, he keeps his description of this man simple. We're going to be in the 10th chapter of Mark, and we're actually just going to read it all in one chunk this morning. Hear these words from the Gospel of Mark, verses 17 through 27. As Jesus continued down the road, a man, did y'all hear that? A man. That's the only description that Mark gives us. A man ran up, knelt before Jesus, and asked, Good teacher, 
what must I do to obtain eternal life? Jesus replied, why do you call me good? No one is good except the one God. You know the commandments. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man responded, I've kept all of these since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him carefully and loved him. He said, you are lacking one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But the man was dismayed at the statement and went away saddened because he had many possessions. Looking around, Jesus said to his disciples, it will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. Jesus' words startled the disciples. So Jesus told them again, children, it's difficult to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. They were shocked even more and said to each other, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them carefully and said, it's impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible for God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. This is a difficult passage for a number of reasons. It's hard to read Jesus saying that maybe there's more to this whole following thing than just following the commandments. Commandments this guy has followed since birth. For any of us who feel wealthy in any sense of the word, it can be challenging to hear Jesus say, it will be very hard for the wealthy to enter God's kingdom. The disciples themselves are even startled by this proclamation, so much so that Jesus actually repeats it. The Bible, <laughs> this book, it's full of difficult passages. It's full of passages that can be difficult to understand when we're reading. It can be difficult in our cultural context. It can be difficult depending on what lens we're wearing as we're reading it. It can also change just whatever mood we find ourselves in as we read scripture. Many of us may be familiar with this particular passage. Maybe we've heard it in a stewardship series or just in a sermon in general. Maybe we've been in a study where we look deep into the translations and all of the scholars' different interpretations. This morning, instead of going so deep into all the different ways you can read this, I want us to zero in on one verse, verse 21. It begins with this. Jesus looked at the man carefully and loved him. I really enjoy Disney princess movies. Even though they can be super problematic, especially as an adult looking back on some of the ones I watched as a child, but there's something magical about the music and the characters and the story that just draw me in 
every single time. I'm also a pretty big Lin-Manuel Miranda fan. Some of you may remember my sermon this summer that referenced his musical In the Heights. So, a few years back, when I heard that Lin-Manuel Miranda was writing music for a Disney princess movie, I bought tickets immediately. And I was not disappointed. Moana, y'all. Have you seen Moana? Yes, great. I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about when I say I couldn't get enough. Moana is a movie that I go to time and time again when I need to center myself or when I just need to get away from it all. And there's this scene that gets me every single time. I was actually trying to find an image of this scene to show y'all. It doesn't exist. So I was on Disney Plus. This is not part of the sermon. This is for your benefit. Uh, I was on Disney Plus re-watching this scene. <laughs> and as I watched it, I kept re-watching it and I was crying watching it. So in this scene, Moana, her grandmother has just died. It's not a big spoiler. Happens right at the beginning. Moana, there we go. And after the death of her grandmother, Moana decides to leave her family to go out and return this relic to the island. You got to see the movie. So Moana is preparing to leave her family. She's preparing to leave all of her responsibilities. She's actually actively defying her father. And some people could look at what Moana is doing and say that she's abandoning her island. She's abandoning her people. Moana feels alone. She feels scared. She feels determined all at the same time. And as she's sneaking off, she's packing a bag. And this is the scene. As she packs the bag, she looks up and she sees her mom at the door. And I'm sure she's afraid that her mom's about to convince her to turn around and stop or to plead with her not to go. But instead, Moana's mom comes up to her and helps her finish packing. And then she hugs her as Moana sets off on this new journey. Moana's mom sees her and loves her. That's what I think of when I read these words from Mark. Jesus looked at the man carefully and loved him. In the Gospel of Mark, the word love appears only three times other than this passage. All three of those other times are in the 12th chapter of Mark, and they're all in reference to Old Testament passages. This is the only time the word love is used specifically by Mark without any reference to other passages. Mark is not generous with his usage of the word love. It can be deceiving to read this passage and overlook the comment that Jesus loved this man. It can be easy to shrug it off and think, okay, Jesus loved everyone. What's the big deal? But Mark is intentional about including this bit. It wasn't something to be left out of the story. It wasn't something to be overlooked or to be trivialized. 
The man says he's followed the commandment since he was a boy, and Jesus doesn't roll his eyes. Jesus doesn't shoot back with a rhetorical question or a parable, which he does a lot, especially throughout Mark. Instead, we read that Jesus looked at the man carefully and loved him. Jesus sees him. Jesus saw that maybe this man had indeed followed the commandments his whole life. Maybe Jesus looked and saw that the man was genuine in his question of how to obtain eternal life. He wasn't greedy. He wasn't demanding. He was honest and genuine. Or maybe Jesus saw the opposite of all of those things. Maybe Jesus recognized that the man had a lot of possessions And the man had history, and he had baggage. Whatever Jesus saw when he looked at it carefully at the man, he loved him through it all. Jesus loved the man first. Jesus saw him. Then Jesus responds with this next part of verse 21. Go Oh, Jesus said to the man, you are lacking one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven. There are a number of people throughout history who have given out of their wealth to those in need. Often, we refer to them as philanthropists. It's not an unheard of thing. And here, we see Jesus ask the same of this man, the man he loved. When the man first approaches Jesus, he must know Jesus is going to tell him that he needs to do something to obtain eternal life. I don't know, maybe the guy thinks Jesus is going to tell him something easy that he can just check off his list. But Jesus asks a lot of him. Jesus tells the man that there's one thing he can do. He can go sell what he owns and give the money to the poor. I can't help but think of the man. He must know something is missing in his life, right? That's why he goes to Jesus in the first place. That's why he seeks Jesus out. He interrupts Jesus on this journey to say, what else is there that I need to be doing. The man is yearning for someone in his life to name what's holding him back. And Jesus doesn't flinch. He rarely does. Jesus sees the man and he calls out his wealth and possessions. He calls out those earthly things. It's a big ask for most people. And then, at the very end of this verse, yes, we're still in that same verse, y'all. Jesus says, and come, follow me. Come, follow me. Verse 22 continues right after this invitation with, but the man was dismayed at the statement and went away saddened because he had many possessions. When you read it all together, it can seem kind of defeatist. It seems like a bad ending to a story. But I like to think that we are only catching 
a glimpse of this man's story. That yeah, perhaps that man's decision isn't made in that moment. Maybe he's sad because he's thinking about it because he's considering carefully what he's heard. There's a big part of me that wants to believe that this man left this encounter with Jesus and was transformed into a new person because Jesus saw him. The man was seen and he was invited to follow Jesus. He was invited to be transformed. Jesus knows what is holding this man back and Jesus names it for the man. I referenced earlier the difficult words of Jesus written by Dr. Amy Jill Levine and she has this beautiful piece in her book. She says this, sell all you have cannot be an address for everyone. And Jesus does not tell everyone to engage in this type of divesting. To do so would be both immoral and sufficiently attentive to people's needs. When Jesus carefully looks at each of us, when Jesus looks at us and loves us, when Jesus sees us, what does he see that's holding us back from living into faithful lives for God? Maybe it's not money or possessions, but it's something. We each have something that Jesus sees. We believe that Jesus sees us and invites us to abandon those things and to be transformed. Come, follow me. Jesus gives a man an opportunity to be transformed, not only to live his life in a way that is faithful and according to what he is called to do, but Jesus also gives this man an opportunity to transform the lives of others by giving out of his wealth. It's a twofold transformation. And it demonstrates just how connected we all are to one another. When we are like Jesus, when we see each other, lives are transformed. When we take time to look carefully and love our neighbor, that's where we share the love of Christ. And it's difficult. It isn't easy. It isn't convenient. It may not even always feel very natural to us. For the disciples, this charge to give up everything and follow Jesus seems impossible. So I want us to end this morning rereading verse 27, how we ended. Jesus looked at the disciples carefully because he sees them and knows them. And Jesus says this, it is impossible with human beings, but not with God. All things are possible for God. There's a reason that in our church mission statement, love God and serve others come first. It's only when we love God and serve others that we can truly transform lives. It's only through God and loving others that lives can be changed, 
that lives can be made new, that what seems impossible can be made possible through God. May we each spend time this week thinking about what God sees in each of us. And may we spend time seeing those around us and being fully transformed through Christ. Will you pray with me? Oh, still speaking God, throughout history and the wide world, you have gathered people around your word to instruct and inspire. We give thanks for all who have received your vision and shape diverse and faithful communities to follow in your way. Continue to open that vision to us that we may become transformed by the renewing of your word in our hearts. Enable us to grow in love and understanding for one another. Create in us, O God, clean hearts and minds. Let us join with you in your suffering and your triumph. We desire to be your children. And we claim these blessings in your name. We thank you for your son who taught us the prayer we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.